0: about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's zionpb where you'll find all of our posted sermons, as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website, which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, we read that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. What word is he talking about here? Is it the written word? Is it the preached word? Today we begin to look at this issue. Many get this wrong, but if we will rightly divide this section, we will see that this is not the written or the preached word, but the living word, Jesus Christ himself. Join us today and tomorrow as we look at this passage of Scripture and see the glorious truth that Jesus Christ is the living, powerful, piercing, dividing, and discerning Word of God. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
1: Down at the feet of Jesus.
0: turn over to the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews, as you're turning there, I just want to say that there are a few passages of scripture that I would consider litmus tests among our people, those that believe in sovereign grace, that will separate those who have a correct view of the gospel and its purpose from those who maybe have a misunderstanding about it. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower comes to mind. Uh, There's many of our Calvinist brothers and sisters that believe that in that parable, there's one category, the good ground, that's that's talking about children of God. And all the other categories, those are the non-elect that are going to hell. We believe that all four categories are children of God. I don't want to get off into that tonight, but just understand that 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 is a place that's talking about the preaching of the gospel to God's people and how they react differently uh, based upon the circumstances where they are in their walk. There's several places that are litmus tests. Uh, and I'm not talking about between primitive Baptists and the Armenian world. You know, there's other scriptures that are, are litmus tests to determine where you are in that walk. Revelation 3.20 comes to mind. John 3.16 comes to mind. But, but these are scriptures that I believe are litmus tests to determine whether the man who's preaching or the person that you're talking to has the correct understanding of the Word of God. So, with that in mind, let's begin reading in chapter 4 of Hebrews and verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast our prof- profession for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Of course, this is talking about the word of God. And depending on your Bible, in my Bible, that word, the word word is not capitalized here. If you go back to John chapter 1, And you read there in John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. In most King James Bibles, that's capitalized. Some of them, I'm told, it's capitalized here. Some of them it's not. In my Bible, it's not. But the question remains nonetheless, what word are we talking about here? Are we talking about the written or preached or read Word of God? Or are we talking about something else? Are we talking about the living Word of God? Now, I'm going to Skip ahead and tell you the end of the story and the answer to the question. The answer to the question is this is the living Word of God that's being talked about right here. Not the written Word, not the preached Word, not the Word that we read, but the living Word of God. And I believe we'll see why in a few minutes. But before we get to that, I want to remind you that every word in the Scripture is important. Every word. And I was reminded of this, Brother Buddy, as I was studying to preach on this. There's a word here that I've never even paid any attention to. Didn't even think about it. Didn't think about its significance or anything like that until just recently. just goes to show you that uh, as much as we may think we know about the scripture, we can always learn something else. And the word that I'm talking about is the very first word in, chapter tw- in verse 12, for for notice that little word for it's a little three letter word doesn't look very significant but I believe it's very significant you go back to John chapter 3 and verse 16 and we find for God so loved the world I preached a sermon recently that we talked about this there are many people that want to emphasize the the word loved many that want to emphasize the word world Uh, Many that want to emphasize whosoever. Many that want to emphasize believeth. But we don't need to neglect for. You know what that word for does? It's a transition word. And it takes you from the thought before to the thought that's current. Same thing happens here. For the word of God is quick and powerful. Now, what's the point that you're trying to make? Well, it's a transition word that punctuates the previous passages and if you remember the last time we were in the book of hebrews we were preaching to you about the gospel rest the rest that we find in the gospel and in fact if you go all the way back to the beginning of the book of hebrews you're going to see that a lot of the focus up to this point in hebrews has been to encourage you and to admonish you and to exhort you to hold on to the faith. Hold fast to your profession of faith. Remember chapter 2 and verse 1. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we let them slip. And he goes on to say that, that, that we should labor to enter into the rest. There's, He's talking to some Christians there who are in a situation where they be, they have laid hold on the things of God, they believed and trusted the sovereign grace of God, and now they're in danger of slipping back and sliding back to a either unbelief complete unbelief or some kind of uh uh, lack of grasp on the sovereignty of god like the galatians remember the galatians over there they were they had laid hold on grace in their minds they had understood grace and then he said he said now that you've understood grace why are you wanting to go back into the bondage that you were in before under the law they were, being, they were being taught, the false doctrine. There were many of those mis- Judaizing missionaries that came down and said, you know, it's not enough now that you believe and trust the gospel. To, to be part of the church, to really be a Christian, you've got to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. They began to add things to it. They began to place burdens upon the, the yoke on the neck of the disciples that Peter said they weren't able to bear, you see. So... Remember, up to this point, actually from chapter 2 in particular through chapter 4, he's been exhorting us that we don't lose the faith, that we don't slide back. Now remember, he's talking to children of God. He's not talking about losing your eternal salvation, but he's, he's talking about losing sight of your eternal salvation, you see. And he goes on then, you know, he just said in verse 11... Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. That's that gospel rest, that understanding of the true gospel that Jesus Christ paid the sin debt for all of his children. And he said, labor to enter into that. You've got to do some work to hold on to that. You can let it slip. And then he says, for. (laughs) In other words, there's a reason why you can be encouraged to do that. For, and here we go into the meat of the Sermon tonight, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You see, he's basically saying, why is it that we should labor to enter into that rest? Why is it that we should hold on to these things? Because the living Word has pierced us through and divided asunder our soul and our spirit. He He has quickened us And he is the powerful, the living, the piercing, the all-knowing, the discerning word of God. Jesus is the living word. Now, so how do we know that this is about Jesus? Well, first of all, we've already mentioned it, but it's not the first time we read about the living word. You go back to John chapter 1. As we said in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. No question about that. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And notice what else it says about him. He said the same was in the beginning with God. When he was born of the virgin in the stable. He was born just the same as he'd always been, except now he had a natural human body. Okay, he didn't become something different in the stable in Bethlehem. The same was in the beginning with God. You know, sometimes we think about the creation as being the work of the Father. You know, we don't often. You know, sometimes I don't know it. Just in my mind, at least, I'm think well, God the Father created everything, and then Jesus was the one that saved us. Well. I realize there's a sense in which one person of the Godhead may be more active than another, take preeminence in a certain work. You know, God the Father took preeminence in choosing us in Christ before the foundation of the world. God the Son took preeminence in dying for our sins and justifying us on the cross. God the Holy Spirit uh, is the one we generally think of as taking preeminence and quickening us and making us alive. But the truth of the matter is they are all three involved in all of those. And in creation, it says, you remember, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It says the earth was without form and void, and the spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the water. There's the Holy Ghost. There's God, you know, God the Father, and then God the Holy Ghost. It said, and then it says, and God said, let there be light. That's the word, <laughs> That's the word because it says all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. He was active in the creation. God, the son was just as much God all the way back then as he is today seated at the right hand of the father. It's not the first time we've heard the word word used in connection with Christ. So, all right. Remember, why, why do we know? That this is talking about Christ. How can we know that this is talking about Jesus? Well, first of all, we look at context. And remember our introduction. We said the four is there for a reason. This is the reason why men should not fall away from the gospel. Okay? This is the reason. We're talking about the gospel message. Okay? Don't leave the gospel message. Don't let it slip. Enter into that gospel rest. Okay? Here's Why? Men should not fall away from the gospel because Christ is the author and the sum and the substance of the gospel. He is the living God, and he is what the gospel is all about. See, the gospel is it's, it's not a thing that we're preaching. It's a person. Philosophers teach a philosophy. Preachers preach a person, you see. You know, you can go back to the philosophies of men and there's all kinds of writings you can read about. Uh, Buddha has a tenfold path to enlightenment. Confucius has all those sayings. You could go to all the philosophers and all the other religions and there's a pathway, there's a a document of some sort sort of way of thinking. You can think yourself into salvation. We preach a person. We preach Christ and Him crucified. Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. See, the gospel is about a person. And listen, think about this person. This person, this person is a judge. This person is a discerner of the secrets of men's hearts as we're going to see this person is the only begotten of the father this person is the word that was with god that was the creator uh, alongside god he spoke all things out of nothing this is the this is the person who was spoken of by the prophets from the beginning of the world this is the express image of god's person who upholds all things by the word of his power. This is our advocate with the Father. This person that we're preaching is the king of kings and the lord of lords. He is our redeemer. He is our elder brother. He is the one who loved us so much that he was willing to suffer the tortures that he endured just for us. When we were yet unlovable, he loved us When we were unlovable. This is the person that we're preaching about. And it's important that we understand that. And that's why this has to be the word, the living word, and not the written word. It's not, you know, yeah, we preach out of the Bible, but we don't preach the Bible. The Bible preaches to us about the one that loves us. And that created us. And that will keep us throughout eternity. So I said context. Context is, is key, right? Context is key. We always say a text out of context is usually just a pretext. So let's look at it here. What, and you know, uh, I, heard, I heard Sonny Powell say that. I also heard him say this. He said, don't try to tell me what a passage means until you know what it says. <laughs> In other words, the words mean something. So let's look at the words. For the word of God is quick. That word quick means living. That word quick means live. The the written word is not quick. It's not living. This is I can I can take this out and you know if if this if this Bible I'm holding in my hand ever makes it to my car, I gotta pick it up and take it there. I've left this Bible. I left this Bible at a Smoky Mountain meeting one time. <laughs> I had to wait six months to get it again. Either that or I had to pay for somebody to ship it back to me. Just had to go get me another Bible, you know. You can interchange this Bible. I've got several King James Bibles at home. If I lose this one, I can go get another one. The living word's not like that. The living word's not like that. It's alive. It's quick. And he says this is quick. We're told in Revelation that when John saw Jesus there in the first chapter of Revelation, he fell down to his feet as one that was dead. But Jesus told him to get up and he, just, he, he identified himself as the one that liveth and was dead And behold, I am alive forevermore. That's the living word, you see. This written word is dead. It's not quick. It's not living. Notice it says the word of God is not only quick, it's powerful. It's powerful. That Greek word powerful there is the Greek word "energeis," And it, com- it's, it's, it sounds kind of like energy, right? Well, that's because energy, our word energy is derived from it. And that word literally means it's active, it's operative, it's effectual. It is powerful. It's dynamic, if you will. This word only occurs three times in the New Testament, this Greek word. And in the two other places, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 9 and Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6, both are translated as effectual, effectual. So this word is powerful. That means it is effectual. It causes things to happen. It it accomplishes something, you see. The written word has no power. This, This book here has no power. It has no effect on the unregenerate at least, my preaching can be powerful. I can preach if the Lord blesses in power and demonstration of the Spirit. It has no effect, though, on the one that's not born again. First Corinthians 2.14, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. I trust that what I'm preaching to you tonight are things of the Spirit of God. And I trust that you who are born again can receive those. I trust that you've been praying for me and I already had a public prayer for me and that, that, that the things that I say might be effectual in your life if you, and they will be if you receive them and apply them. But guess what? If you're dead in trespasses and in sins, you're not going to receive it. It's not going to be effectual in your life. Yeah, there, there's a sense in which the preaching can be effectual. It can be powerful. I can... I can preach, well, you know, it's rare. (laughs) Brother Buddy can preach powerfully. I've heard him preach many times. Other preachers can preach powerfully. I've tried, and occasionally the Lord blesses me to preach powerfully. But it's not always powerful. My preaching is not always powerful. And even if I preach powerfully in power and demonstration of the Spirit, if you're dead in sins, it's not effectual to you. But the living Word is effectual. You know... In Matthew chapter 28, about verse 18, notice what he says. It says in verse 16, the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Verse 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations. baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Notice that he said, all power is given unto me. He didn't say, I'm going to put some power into the preached word. I'm going to put some power into the written word. You know, there are those that believe that the written word or the preached word is necessary in order for the regenerating power of God to be effective. There are those that believe in what we call gospel regeneration, that they take the gospel message that the Holy Spirit can't operate without apart from the gospel being preached or the gospel being read because the Holy Spirit has to take the gospel and use it in some way to regenerate his children. That's not what it says here. There's no power in the written word. There's no power in the preached word. The power is in Jesus Christ. The power is in God. All power is given unto me. Now, because of that, you can go teach. You can go preach. You know, I take comfort in that too. You have know, told you before, I, earlier in the message, I said there's been times I feel like the Lord's blessed me to preach in power and demonstration of the Spirit. There's been many times when I felt like I was up here floundering around on my own. <laughs> Lord... Not dependent on me, though, to get it right every time and to do it perfectly and to be the best orator because he has all power. Even when I mess it up, he gets it right, you see. The Word is powerful. Notice it says that the Word is piercing. This Word is piercing. It says, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. The word is piercing. The Greek word piercing there is made from a combination of the prefix dia, which means through, and, and the word which means reaching to. So what he's saying here is that this word here can reach through something. Okay? Now think about this. The written or the preached word can reach to someone maybe. The written, the preached, the written or the preached word, you know, I hope I'm reaching you tonight. I hope the words I say, the the message I'm preaching is reaching to you. But only the living word can pierce through somebody. You know, there are times when I preach or share the gospel, it reaches to the person, but they're not real interested in it. (laughs) There There was a group of people that Stephen preached to. He preached the word to them. He reached to them. It cut them to the heart. Isn't that something? It cut them to the heart. I preached to people that I felt like it cut to the heart. And those people stoned Stephen. Those people gnashed on him with their teeth. The preached or the written word can reach to someone. But there was a people on the day of Pentecost that we read about that were pricked in the heart. You know what happened? The word of God, the living word of God pierced through the heart. Instead of cutting to the heart... It was, he pierced through the heart. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc